the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God, friend, is in your life, dear heart, when you find Christ. And God is in your life, dear heart, that leads you to Christ. And God is in your life for all eternity because God is our Father God. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled Our Father's Glory. That's Our Father's Glory, and we'll bring you the first portion of that message here today. Remember, you can find it online in its entirety without interruption at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Antoine Francois Provost once said, The heart of a father is the masterpiece of nature. Yuka Chang is a masterpiece of nature. He is a father in China where he has no wealth to his name, but he has the treasure that is dear to his heart. You as a father to a son that is precious to him. And he's 40 years old. His son Chang is 12. He lives in the outback there somewhere in the middle of China. And he has two good legs and he has two good hands, but his son does not. His son's hands and feet are bent. His spine is severely curved. And so that little boy cannot walk. That little boy is stuck where he's at unless a father carries him where he needs to go. You know, he lives in a world, he lives in a country that is governed by the principles of natural selection, survival, the fittest, atheist, communism. You know, some people think communism is a good thing. I have never seen a prosperous communist nation that prospers without oppressing its people. It just doesn't happen in history. And so this is an oppressive nation. Poverty happens at the bottom rung. The rich get richer in communism. But somehow you can leave the weak behind in survival of the fittest. But a father's love doesn't care what survival of the fittest teaches, right? A father's love said, if my son is not all there, I will be there for my boy. And so he carries his son to school 18 miles every day on his back to get him to school because he knows that the gift that God has given his son is the gift of a mind, a beautiful mind. And his son can be educated. He's at the top of his class, this little boy is. And the father carries his son. And then he carries him back from school 18 miles on his back. Now think of the messages that that little boy is getting. Not verbal, but he could feel his father's love for the entire journey of 18 miles. Now that boy knows his dad loves him. He's considered one of the greatest dads in the world. His son is not a burden in life to him. The burden of carrying his son is light for him because he loves his boy. Now, when I was a boy, I walked two miles to school. Imagine walking 18 miles every day and back for the sake of your son. Every morning there's school, and you carries his boy on his back. You know, we worship a God like that. We worship a God whose glory is to carry his children on his back. 
You know, the famous verse that says, The Lord, the Lord, a God gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love and mercy, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. The Hebrew word to forgive is nasah, carrying iniquity, transgression, and sin. God carries us. He carries our sins. He takes them away from us. He carries us all our days. The glory of our Father God. James 1.17 says, Every good endowment, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God does not change. Malachi 3.6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. We worship a Father God who will not stop being your Father or my Father. Because we go south, He will be there for us. He carries us on His back. Hebrews 12, 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Now God changes not, yet God is a consuming fire. What does that mean? It means the fire that is God, the white hot heat of God's love, will not go out all your days or the days of your children or the days into eternity. And the fire that is God will confront the fires of your life to put them out. You know, I tell you right now, they say in firefighting, the best way to fight a fire when it's out of control is to put another fire in its direction that's greater and to bring that fire down. The fire of our Father God, who is love, will be with us all the days of our life. William Shakespeare once wrote, It is a wise father who knows his own child. As our Father God, God knows us. He knows us better than any other. He is not indifferent to the stuff that we go through. He is not careless with the details of your life. He is not indifferent to the sorrows and the joys of your life. And he relates to each one of us as if we were the only being in the universe. God yearns for the soul of his child, the life of his child. And he carries his children on his back. When the weak cannot walk, he carries them. When they cannot move forward, he moves them forward. When they cannot be led, he leads them anyway. He carries them until they can walk beside him. And then the shepherd king leads them to God's eternal realm. In the Exodus, God came down. You know, the amazing story of the Exodus account is how a God, no God like this in antiquity, actually came down. All the gods, you had to climb up to them in antiquity. But God came down. And He told Moses at the burning bush, I have seen, I have heard, I know the affliction of My people. I have come down. And then He gave His divine name. My name is Yahweh, the Lord. Thus I am to be remembered throughout all your generations. And what does that name mean? It means I am. But we know from the prophet Isaiah, it is an idiom. It means I am here. I am the God that is present. I am the God that lives between the poles of past and present right now and here. I am here, God, the God of your fathers. But more profoundly, I am your Father. In the Exodus, God revealed Himself as a Father. Psalm 68, verse 5, David wrote of this, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. I mean, God doesn't live in the heavenly sanctuary and do nothing for us. God lives in the heavenly sanctuary to be a Father for us. He administers divine power to us as our Father. What did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, where is He? Who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Of course, God's name and God's law and Scripture are the same thing. Hallowed be your name, your character. He's in heaven at the brain center of the universe, at the place that upholds all reality. God is a Father, and love flows from Him to us. He is not indifferent or distant. Deuteronomy 33, 26, There is none like God, O Jeshruin, a name for Israel, 
There's none like God, O Jeshruan, who rides through the heavens to your help and in His majesty through the skies. And I like verse 27. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. Now what does God do when He holds us in His everlasting arms? Now we have caricatures of fathers in our modern culture that have to be changed because they don't sync with who God is. It's important that a father be loving. You hear me? It's very important that a father be loving. But it's more important that a father be powerful in behalf of his children. That a father exercise strength for his family. You see, God has invested in every father a masculinity that is to be strength in the family. Not a brute strength that takes advantage of the family, but a brute strength in Christ that protects the family. And thus his manhood is to come forth and to be seen within the family. God, it says here, underneath are the everlasting arms. And what did he do with those? He thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. You see, if you mess with God's kids, you mess with God. And when God gets engaged to save his children, he is dynamically destructive to evil that would destroy the good that he loves so profoundly. Isaiah 63, 7 says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has. And you'll see in the text it says the Lord has granted us. You see, God is in the giving business. And the great goodness to the house of Israel. You see, the giving business of God flows out of the goodness of God. The character of God is the basis of His gift-giving nature. And so we see here, it says, the great goodness to the house of Israel, which He has granted them according to His mercy according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Powerfully engaging God, but merciful, consistent God. For he said, surely they are my people, sons who will not deal falsely. And yet, and he became their Savior. And I like verse 9. It's one of the great verses in the Bible. Here we find that the messenger of the covenant in the Old Testament is none other than Christ here personified in the characteristic of a loving father who carries his children. It says, in all of their affliction, he was afflicted. You know, I know that. When you mess with my kids, you mess with me. Someone starts whacking at my children, saying something about them. Don't you feel it, dads? Yes or no? What? You do. What do you do about it when someone really wants to ruin your kids? You can actually say something here. You engage them, don't you? What kind of dad would just sit in the corner and say, well, you mess with my kids. Johnny, go defend yourself. I'm your father, but I don't get engaged. I don't believe in that kind of thing. It takes too much out of me to do that. What kind of dad would do that? God has called on us fathers to be there for our kids. Now, when our kids are in the wrong, we have to engage them, don't we? We have to be willing to interact with our children and to stop wrong in its tracks. But when wrong comes at our kids, it's our role to stand for them when they are in the right. And so in all of their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up. You remember, underneath are the everlasting arms. He lifted them up. And what does the text say? He carried them all the days of old. God carries his people, just like you there in China, carrying his boy 18 miles to school and back. There's not a day you live that God doesn't carry you on his back, on his heart. You are the concern of his eternal mind. 
God carries His children. God protects His children. God defends His children. He disciplines His children. That's a word that's out of vogue in our culture. Fathers, if you do not in love discipline your children, you are sowing the seeds for a deep sense of poor self-worth in your children. Your children need to know that you can stand in the gap and say no and love when they need it. If you want a moral fabric in their life in the future, you must give them loving discipline. He disciplines His children to win them back and to save them and to grow them so that they will become like Him. This weak picture of God that's floating around these days that would have fathers act like it does a great disservice to the awesome God of power who is also the awesome God of humble love who loves His children and defends them and snatches them from the lion's mouth. You know, every good father gives gifts. Dad, you like getting gifts? On Father's Day, you get gifts? I went on Amazon.com this week and started looking at all the gifts you can get. Some of them are embarrassing. I mean, really. I mean, some of the gifts are embarrassing. I don't like getting gifts as much as I like giving gifts. Our Father God gives gifts. In James 1.17, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Let's look at the verse again. Every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Reaching Your Heart will continue with Pastor Michael Oxen Tanko in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on the Salem Radio Network, on Sirius XM, and on WAVA in the Washington, D.C. area because we believe... God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages are prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you've been blessed by our ministry, please go to the website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. 888-244-4673 is a telephone number to call. Please consider picking up the telephone and dialing right now. Also, at the close of today's broadcast, we have a very special offer for you that we hope you'll take advantage of as well. Now more with Pastor Mike. This morning, I want to focus on seven gifts that God gives us as our Father God. Seven beautiful gifts that are given in Scripture. I went through the Bible and just looked up the text that had to do with the Father and giving and kind of pulled them together. The first gift of God that I want to present to you today is the gift of adoption. I mean, you can't have a father unless you have a father. So how do we become children of God? We aren't children of God because we were born into this world. Adam's sin broke us away from God. We are children of God because God adopted us in Christ from the foundation of the world. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. In Adam, we are illegitimate children. In Christ, we are legitimate children. God has adopted us in Jesus. He has drawn us to His heart. And so we are saved because we are brought into the family. Now, I'll tell you right now, God has adopted us with all our problems, too. God adopts you and you're baptized into Christ. He adopts you with all your problems. He adopts you with your character flaws. He adopts you with your background. But He adopts you with an eye for the future based on His acceptance. And if I had to ask you the question and quiz you today, when does God start accepting His child? Is it when He becomes perfect or when He's baptized? 
Could you answer that question decisively for me? It's at his baptism. Actually, when he has saving faith in Christ, which baptism points to. So our loving Father has adopted us in Christ. He claims us right now. My children and my family, I don't boot them out of the family just because they mess up. In fact, if I were to draw the list here of how my children have messed up, I'd have to fill every wall with the writing of how they have. Right. Well, we all have. And you know, God accepts us. Now, he doesn't accept us so we can never grow. He'll discipline us so we will. And we call that sanctification. So it should be the will of every believer to do the will of God. And then we know that he's our Father God. But we are accepted in the journey as we grow. All on the way in Christ, God has given us the gift of being his child. The gift of acceptance and legitimacy. The second gift our Father God gives to us in Jesus is the gift of the knowledge of God. Who wants to be ignorant? We live in a world where ignorance is celebrated as intelligence. Where atheists and people who believe that God doesn't exist think that that's enlightenment. It's no enlightenment at all. It's utter foolishness. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit, that means a mind, of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. You see, we can't figure out who God is. We cannot know God unless God reveals Himself to us. The great God of the universe has given us a Bible in which we can come to know Him. I mean, the older I get, I don't know about you, I do a lot of reading, but not as much as I used to. I'm reading the Bible more lately. A lot more. There are days, some days, I'll spend six hours in my Bible after I work my work day. I work late into the night. I'll open my Bible and I'll read it until I can't stay awake because I'm enamored with the knowledge of God in the Bible. The glory of God is a mystery. In the book of Revelation, you know, Jesus is the Lamb. He comes before the Father. God is sitting on His throne. He has a scroll with seven seals that He takes from the side of the throne, just like the book of the law from the side of the ark. It's sealed with seven seals. In the context, it represents the mystery of who God is, the mystery of His character, the mystery of His covenant that we cannot discern by simply studying nature, that we cannot figure out unless there is a revelation of the love of God. And suddenly a lamb comes before the Father God on His throne. And that lamb takes the scroll He's found worthy and all heaven rejoices that who God is can be understood because the lamb has opened the book. Friend, we cannot know God if we don't spend time with God in His open book. If we don't interact with His covenant, the expression of the knowledge of who He is. But God has given us the gift of knowing Him, of knowing His character. To know God is to have the Spirit of God ultimately. The third gift from God is to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit from Him. Now, the Holy Spirit is another way of saying the holy mind of God that is itself God. Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the mind of God. I don't know how to explain this. You know, theologians think they have it all figured out. They know next to nothing. Let's just accept what the Bible says because we have to accept the revelation of who God is from God. To know God is to have the Spirit of God. The third gift from God is to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit from Him. Look at Luke 11, verse 11. Christ here is asking the question, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Have you ever asked an egg from your father? Father, give me an egg. Give me an egg. Who would want to give a serpent? If then you who are evil, he says, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
The mind of God is a gift. He wants to give it to us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God brings the life of God. To know God means to really love God. All right, the fourth gift that God gives as a father is the gift of life. The Holy Spirit brings the mind of God and the life of God, the river of God to our life. Not existence, but life. Look at John 3, verse 35. The Father loves the Son. Fathers, there's so much in that verse. You can have lots of faults of character in your interaction with your children. You can mess up, and you can mess up bad. But if your children know that you love them, you're going to make it as a good father. If they know it. And they know it by if you set boundaries in their life, if you say no when you need to say no, but more than this, you're with them. You spend the time that they need with them more than anything else. Time with your children is the most important element. The Father loves the Son. From all eternity in the past, God was with Christ. They were together. And He has given all things into His hand. You see, there's an inheritance. The universe is the inheritance that will be given to Jesus. Verse 36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. In other words, if you don't accept my Son, you're rejecting me. My Son is my way to love you. That's what God is saying. When God gave us Jesus, God gave His life to us. Life is in the Son, John says. To know the life of God that is the Father from eternity. In eternity is to know Jesus. Because Christ proceeded and came forth from the heart of God. So what does that mean? It means there is no life in our lives without Jesus. God gave Jesus for us. And His life is the ultimate gift. John 5.21 For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Many people today want to make it in life. They think, well, you know, I can get along and I can do fine if I just order my retirement right, if I have everything planned out perfectly, if I've got my home paid off, got the right health insurance, I'll be fine. Well, you'll be fine to the day you die. And after that, you're in trouble if you don't have Jesus. Because life is in the Son. God has given us a period of time under the Son to know Him, and thus He has given the Son of God so we can. Secular humanist mush will not sustain you for all eternity, nor will self-help programs that leave Jesus out. The soul, the life, must be regenerated by the presence of Christ. Theological nonsense will not feed you for all ages. Man shall not live by bread alone, God said, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Christ proceeded and came forth from God. And John, he was the word of God that became flesh. God's word is the bread and God gives us Jesus, the bread. And in the Bible we find Christ and thus we live. John 6.32 Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I hold my hand, a precious book. Why don't you take yours out and hold it in your hand too? Would you? Take it out. I have seen so many attacks on this book in my lifetime. Long before I was born, it was attacked again and again and again throughout the centuries. Skeptics have attacked this book. Bright theological thinkers have thought to manipulate and water down the significance of this book. People would say, well, it's not the Word of God, it's the Word of men. You know, truth can kind of come out of it. God worked with all these mistakes in the Bible. 
Whenever someone's saying that, they're saying they don't know God, they don't know Christ, and they don't respect the power of the Word of God. This book is an extension of the infinite and eternal mind of God. You cannot for all eternity exhaust the truth that is found within your Bible. God sent the Word of God from heaven because God sent Jesus from heaven. And thus we must feed upon the Word to live. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread. God gave it. Have you ever met an angel? Anybody here ever met an angel? Maybe. How many of you think you met an angel? You can raise your hands. It's safe. All right? But you know how there's still a mystery to it all? How many think angels that haven't fallen are perfect, right? Are they? Are they? Okay, how perfect was Lucifer before he sinned? Perfect. So did the perfection of an angel stop him from sinning? You see, angel perfection is not enough to keep us from sinning. You know what keeps angels from sinning today? It's a contemplation of the cross of Christ. It's a contemplation of the gift of God in Jesus. When they look at that cross and they look at Lucifer, they say, we want Jesus. We will never go down the road that he went down. Well, unfortunately, we need to leave it there for today's Reaching Your Heart entitled Our Father's Glory. That's the first portion. We will complete this message the next time we are together. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We so appreciate your contributions. And for a donation of any amount, we have a very special offer for you today. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death, and that truth is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Your donations help us keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Call now. 888-244-HOPE. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.